0: It is Friday, April 29th, here in Draft Shark Studios Remote. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And I say remote because we're in the midst of the NFL draft. We are on our annual Draft Sharks getaway in the Finger Lakes region of upstate New York. And, Jared, last night we settled in for I think what most of us probably expected to be a somewhat boring first round for fantasy purposes. You know, like a limited class, nice wide receivers, but not a whole lot else. What we got was this like summer blockbuster version
1: of round one of the draft. I I feel like they just like slipped the Marquise Brown trade in, and like barely even had time to talk about it because so much else was going on. I think there were, I, I think there was a solid two-hour stretch last night where I did not look up from my computer because there was just so much going on. We were, you know, we we were keeping the projections updated with all the rookie landing spots in these trades. Those are up on the site now. Um It was crazy. It was, it was super fun though.
0: Yeah, we were watching to see where these wide receivers were going from the rookie class, uh, just with all the moves up and for in the first round. We'll get through all of those moves, but yeah, it it was. Out of nowhere, this Marquise Brown trade popped up and we were watching on NFL Network. They even popped up the slide and nobody said anything about it. So we're like, wait a second. Was that a real thing? There weren't reports about it. And then there was even limited analysis. It's like there was so much else going on. They were like, oh, yeah, Marquise Brown got traded. Uh, He is pretty good at football. So we'll see what happens there. So let's go ahead and start with that, because I, I think the two trades kind of dwarf everything else from a fantasy standpoint. We mentioned the Marquise Brown one, so we'll talk about that first. He goes to the Cardinals. Marquise Brown plus a third-round pick. The Ravens get the 23rd pick in round one. Um, they ended up moving down from there. So clearly it wasn't like, oh, we really want the 23rd pick, so we're going to make this trade. That's what's surprising here is, like, Marquise Brown still had the fourth year left on his rookie deal, still had the fifth-year option. So it wasn't like they had to make a move all of a sudden just to – um get out from a contract situation that was killing them. I'm not sure exactly what the motivation was there. Maybe there's some off field stuff, but from a purely fantasy standpoint, why don't you start to break this down for us? What does it mean for Marquise Brown being in Arizona?
1: Well, yeah, I think I guess starting on the Raven side, like to, to, I mean, and there's probably still another move coming because right now it's Rashad Bateman and nothing else at wide receivers. You know, maybe it's Will Fuller, you know, Jarvis Landry's still out there, but maybe it, maybe it signals they want to shift a bit back more towards the run after, you know, going more pass heavy last season uh, for the Marquise Brown. So, I mean, to me, for Arizona, this was a move to appease Kyler Murray, um, who, you know, has been having some issues with the team. Murray played with Marquise Brown at Oklahoma for they were together for a couple seasons there. I read this morning, uh, Kyler Murray texted the Cardinals GM, Steve Keim, uh, fire emojis after he learned of the uh, trade for for uh, Marquise Brown. So Kyler seems happy. Um, I think, you know, th- that that situation is going to kind of blow over. He'll be there. Um, and did you see
0: Lamar Jackson with the WTF tweet?
1: Yeah. I mean, as he, <laughs> as he should, um, you know, th- there are, um, 156 available targets in Arizona with Christian Kirk and chase Edmonds gone. So, you know, there's, there's room for Marquise Brown, even as the number two receiver there to, to I think, you know, have, um, as good, if not better a, a season in Arizona, as we you know, thought he was going to have in Baltimore. Yeah, I
0: think it's similar. His draft price had not been too high in Baltimore so far this year, so I don't think there's a, a huge change from that. I think that it's less interesting to draft Rondell more now than it was just a day ago. What about you?
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they deploy these wideouts because they re-signed AJ Green too. Now, he got he got a one-year, I think three or three and a half million dollar deal, so not big money. Um, so I don't know. Like, are we are we expecting? Hopkins and Brown as like the outside guys, and Rondell Moore as the slot, and then Green's kind of the fourth. That would definitely be my explanation, my expectation.
0: I mean, they re signed AJ Green, but that's like an insurance deal. You know, they've got him there just in case something else big didn't happen in wide out. I don't think that necessarily puts him in the lineup. I think he's like last year's Antoine Wesley, um, you know, for as long as he's healthy. If they need him, he pops in there, probably their fourth wide out. And then Rondell Moore. But like that's a guy that needs volume and I just don't think the volume is there. And I don't think that what he will get is going to be deep enough downfield that he's going to be an efficient producer yardage or scores wise.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, de- Brown coming definitely hurts Rondell Moore. We'll see what happens to the ADP. I mean, if he gets cheap enough, I might still be interested. Um, you know, to me, to me more could maybe do some of the chase Edmonds stuff that they lost there. And I do think more, you know, can add rushing production. You know, we haven't projected for like 23, 24 carries, So that helps as well. Um, So he's, you know, in wide receiver five territory in our rankings now. I think if you can draft him at that price, I think you're you're fine.
0: Mm -hmm. So let's move on from that one, because we as you said, we still have some things to sort out in Baltimore. Obviously, it's a good time for Rashad Bateman right now, um, but there are other guys that they can add Jarvis Landry, Will Fuller, guys in the second round of the draft and beyond. So we'll see what else lands there before we get too deep into Bateman. I, today would be a, a tough time to decide where to draft or shot Bateman. He obviously climbs. There's a chance that he climbs too high. I think if you take him anywhere in like the late 20s among wide receivers, that's probably okay.
1: Yeah, our very initial run of updated projections had Bateman at wide receiver 29 or 30. Um, and we will be drafting uh, at 4 o'clock today on FFPC, so we will see where Bateman goes in that draft. That's right. Um, Certainly upside from that position,
0: I would say, for Rashad Bateman. A.J. Brown to the Eagles, then swoops in and properly dwarfs the Marquise Brown news. Now, two sides of this, because I am an Eagles fan, but at this point, I'm way more of a fantasy player than I am an Eagles fan. So I've got people like, hey, what do you think of A.J. Brown going to the Eagles? And I'm like, well, there goes his fantasy stock. I mean, it's obviously a great move for the Eagles. They pick up a for real number one receiver, and now they have A for real number one in A.J. Brown, a guy who could become a number one-ish in Devontae Smith, tremendous wide receiver core, and yet I think a limited ceiling passing attack. I think the first thing for us to sort out in figuring out how to treat it for fantasy is what kind of pass run split we're going to get. Because last year we got an Eagles team that started out surprisingly pass heavy, and then all of a sudden from the Detroit game on, they were like, oh, crap, we're not going to win like that we got to run the ball a lot. And then they went run stupid. It was like 43% pass the rest of the way. So how are we correcting it at this point?
1: Yeah. I mean, the Eagles finished dead last in pass rate last season. Um, they're, they're obviously going to gonna throw more this year. I, I think they, I, we already had them projected to throw more before the AJ Brown, but I mean, now you have the AJ, AJ Brown trade. They spent a first round pick last year on Devontae Smith. So it's, it's almost like they want to be something closer to what they were, you know, the first, few games of last season, like you said, and like you you said, you know, they just, they weren't successful. So they kind of had to shift. So, um, you know, I, I, I bumped him up to 54% pass last night, which is still like below league average that that that's probably too low. Um, But I mean, you know, that, that said, this is still bad news for AJ Brown's fantasy value as you alluded to. Um, He should be the number one receiver over Devontae Smith, but you know, he's probably not going to dominate target share as he was in Tennessee. And I I do think it's still probably going to be a lower uh, pass volume team as far as, you know, like league averages go.
0: Yeah. I mean, he, he's still as good, obviously in a new place. And just from a pure like QB talent standpoint, it's not a a downgrade. I would say maybe a little bit, maybe a slightly downgrade from what Ryan Tannehill is right now to what Jalen hurts is right now, but not noticeable. I don't think for his efficiency, but the problem is the, most attractive thing about AJ Brown in Tennessee was that he could be that 28% target share guy yeah. in Philadelphia. It's probably more like 24 as like the top of his range, maybe something more in the 20 to 22% target share range.
1: Yeah. I gave him a uh, 23% target share, just, you know, updating the projections last night. Cause you, again, you still have Devontae Smith. You still have Dallas Goddard who, you know, I did shave some targets from him. Uh, with the brown news, but I you know I still think Goddard's going to be up around twenty percent. Tight ends just a, a big part of that offense, I think. Um, mm-hmm. So and and you know, Brown's coming obviously from a run heavy offense, so that you know that's not the concern so much as you know the, the target share probably being lower than what it was in Tennessee. If he
0: can drop from round two to round three in ADP, I mm-hmm. think he would be interesting in that range i still have to kind of figure out exactly where i like him we'll see exactly how the rankings sort out but i uh, aj brown in round three i would not have a problem with right now
1: well, where where we have him ranked right now you would not want to take him in round three You know, he might have to come up from where he's he's, he's wide receiver 25 right now in our ppr rankings
0: i could see that i also think that he's a much different um best ball versus redraft yeah. asset because he's going to his numbers are going to come via like He'll have a five for 140 and two week and then the next week he'll be two for 17. yep, I agree. Garrett Wilson oh no no. no. before Garrett Wilson because I had my notes scrolled to the wrong place, let's get into the rookies because we talked about these we talked about the trades now unless you have anything else from the AJ Brown trade to dig in further and before we go rookie wise. No yeah not now we'll talk we'll talk more about it later for sure. Yeah. So let's get to these rookie wideouts because that's what we thought was going to be the center of attention mm-hmm. last night. Uh, ended up being overshadowed, but they did go fairly early. We saw a run of defense to start the draft, but then they went rapid fire once the wide receivers started going off the board. Drake London first to the Falcons, the first wideout off the board. I mean, whatever wide receiver landed with Atlanta at that point, assuming they take a receiver, is in a great spot just because there are so many targets available.
1: Yeah, it's uh Olamide, Zacchaeus, Auden Audentate, Frank Darby. I mean, that's the guys that are you know, quote unquote competing for snaps and targets with Drake London. So he, you know, will be that team's number one receiver right out of the gate. It's Kyle Pitts is still there. Um, who, you know, we still have projected to lead that team in targets this season. But um yeah, I mean the the the, cons- the to me the only concern with Drake On and you know he he was my pre-draft Rookie wide receiver one, so I was happy to see him be the first guy off the board. He he's going to be my dynasty wide receiver one post draft, as well. Um, the only concern is quarterback play with Mariota there. That's a short term concern for me. I think Atlanta is a team that you know is likely going to get one of these you know, top quarterbacks in next year's draft. So I think you know quarterback play might might not be a concern uh, you know starting in twenty twenty three.
0: And I mean, I had all these guys in close proximity to each other. I'm not sure how they sorted out changed. A whole lot about it i would i have no problem with drake london being number one i think if i were in a position where i were picking you know second or wherever these wide receivers start going and somebody wants to trade up two spots because they really like drake london i'd be fine with moving down and getting something else and then taking whoever the third or fourth guy is from this wide receiver class
1: i mean i, I haven't sorted through this yet and we'll, we'll talk next week about the dynasty rankings um but I don't know. to me i i sort of think i have london one kind of in his own tier. And then the next, you know, four or five guys are kind of in a tier together beneath London. So I, I guess I'd be more aggressive in, in trying to get London in my dynasty rookie drafts.
0: Sounds like you and I could work out a trade then in that first round. Let's do it. <laughs> um, Garrett Wilson to the jets is the next Went at number 10, second wide receiver off the board. He lands in obviously a much more crowded situation because every single situation is more crowded for a wide receiver than Atlanta mm-hmm. right now. It's, This is going to be one that's tough to sort out projections wise, and it's really going to depend for 2022. It'll depend a lot on market price. We have Corey Davis there. We have Elijah Moore there. Elijah Moore has been a draft darling so far. We've talked about how we weren't taking him at market value. Um, Now it even gets more crowded. So I guess first we have to figure out how we're sorting out these guys. And my assumption here is that we basically have Corey Davis on one side Uh, Garrett Wilson on the other side, Elijah Moore in the slot, both Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore, though, I think are the kind of guys who can move around the formation and will wind up um, not with either of them dominating slot share, uh, but both probably in like the 60 plus percent slot,
1: you know, snap range, I'm guessing. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I mean, the the numbers say that it should be Elijah Moore on the outside. He was actually more, effective is in terms of yards per out run on the outside last season and Garrett Wilson was better in the slot in each of the last two years at Ohio State. Now Wilson did play um, a bunch in 2020. He was primarily outside or uh, slot primarily Then, his past season. He was outside for the majority of snaps. So he did show that he can do both. I'll be curious to see. I mean, I think the big question with those guys is who's going to be on the field when they go to wide receivers, you know, is Davis going to be off the field in that case? Um, but to, you know, to me, short and long-term, the big question with Garrett Wilson is what do you think of Zach Wilson? Um, you know, he, he's coming off a really ugly rookie season, you know, kind of, no matter what numbers you look at from Wilson's rookie season, it was not good. Um, so he, he needs to take a big step forward if, you know, these wide receivers are going to hit.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't dramatically alter my outlook for Garrett Wilson on concern for Zach Wilson, um, because, one, if he stinks, they're going to be losing and throwing a bit more than they would otherwise. <laughs> Two, if he really stinks, then he probably won't be the Jets quarterback for yeah. that much longer. Obviously, three more years at least on the rookie deal, so there's a chance that he's the starter for that length of time. But, you know, depending on how bad he is and how bad the team is and whether the Jets move on from their current coach, we could be looking at as little as one more year and then yeah. competition beyond that. So, you know, I wouldn't want to overrate it, but it's certainly – more of a concern than if Garrett Wilson landed in uh, Atlanta, I guess, for example.
1: Yeah, and, and I think what you do like about Wilson here, you know, longer-term dynasty, he, you know, second wide receiver off the board, top 10 pick, you know, that's awesome draft capital. I, I also like his fit in Michael Fuller's scheme. You know, he's a – the Fuller comes from the Shanahan tree. Uh, they like to, you know, get the receivers the ball and pick up yards after the catch. And I, th- I think Wilson's a good fit in that type of offense. So, you know, that, that's a something working in his favor, I think.
0: And I, that should be the kind of setup that helps Zach Wilson, assuming he can handle that kind of delivery of the ball, is quick, getting rid of the ball quickly, letting guys run after the catch. That can cut down on the um, you know sack risk for Zach Wilson. Maybe just help everybody there. Agreed. Braxton Berrios, I think that's the one thing we can all definitely agree on. No longer really a thing for 2022 fantasy, right? Thankfully, yeah. <laughs> it was a surprisingly. Sizable contract that he got, but if you look back at it now, it's a two-year deal. There's seven million in guarantees. It's a cuttable second year. So similar to AJ Green, not nearly to the same degree, but it's not the kind of money that means that Barrios is going to be in the lineup, and then we have to worry about Garrett Wilson's playing time. Yeah,
1: and and you know, speaking of cuttable years, uh, so Corey Davis is signed through 2023, but they can very easily get out of his contract next offseason. So that's something you know where it could be Elijah Moore. And Garrett Wilson is the clear top two guys there uh, as early as 2023.
0: And yeah, we'll see if there's a Corey Davis trade coming up on day two or day three of the draft too. That would be interesting. There you go. Um, okay. So we'll move on from the jets to Chris Olave, who the saints leaped up the board to get, I think from what, 16 to 11. Yep. Um, and, you know, everybody's wondering what the move up is for. It is for Chris Olave, who is a wide receiver that was commonly mocked to them leading up to the draft. So they gave up third round, fourth round picks. Um, and they, they, Put Chris Olave in a situation
1: that has immediate opportunity available. Yeah, and I I, I like this fit at least in real life because um, I I do think Olave projects as more of like a number two wide receiver in the NFL. Right? I think you know Drake London and Garrett Wilson and you know Jamison Williams and Traylon Burks, who we'll get to next have like the upside to be lead guys. I think Olave is probably a, just a really good number two, um, and, and you know that's what he's going to be behind Michael Thomas at least to start. Um, yeah, and like you said, there's there's plenty of um, room for him to carve out a big target share this season. You know, we our initial projections have him at eighty-seven targets, but there's a you know path for him to get up over hundred. So Alave is definitely some. And I I did think that he was maybe the most NFL ready uh, among these rookie wide receivers. So um, he, he's definitely someone that you know could help you in twenty twenty two fantasy leagues. For the near future, it seems like a particularly nice fit for
0: him in that. Jameis Winston loves taking shots downfield. Chris Olave mm-hmm. operates very well deep, not an awesome uh, yards after catch guy. Jameis Winston, not an awesome accuracy setting you up for yards after catch guy. Uh, Michael Thomas is at least somewhat of a question mark until we see him back on the football field. So that mm-hmm. you know can only mean target upside for Chris Olave. I'm certainly hoping that we get full Michael Thomas this year. And I think it's still a fine situation for Chris Olave even if we get full Michael Thomas, because there are, you know, as many targets available for Olave
1: as I was reasonably expecting him to find right away in the NFL. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a good landing spot. Um, the play the play calling is the other question mark in New Orleans with Sean Payton gone. Yeah,
0: they don't have to be good. It's uh, it's probably better for Olave if they're bad than they're throwing the ball more and Winston's chucking it, trying to come back. And may, That might be the ideal scenario for 2022 Olave. Yeah. Could be, yep. The Lions jumped even further from 32 in round one up to 12, 20 spots, gave up that pick at the end of round one, gave up their pick right near the beginning of round two. And of course, you know, the immediate thought is, wait, did they do that for a quarterback? Nope. They did it for Jamison Williams and he was pissed about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think he expected to land in Detroit. I don't think anyone expected him to land in Detroit. Um, it's, it's, it's so interesting. If you think the Lions, you want to be this smash mouth offense, you know, with Dan Campbell, but you know, they make this massive move up for Jamison Williams after, you know, signing DJ Chark in free agency, you know, they, they have a nice group of weapons there. Now we, we were talking this morning, you know, Jer- you know, Jared Goff could succeed in this spot. Now they have a good offensive line. You have Jamison Williams, DJ Chark, St. Brown in the slot, Hawkinson Swift. I mean, that's a good group of weapons. So I'm not going to, you know, go overboard with Jared Goff as a fantasy asset because he's not going to give us anything with his legs. Uh, But he's, he's set up now where he could, you know, be their starter for a handful of years and he could be good enough where they're not looking at a rookie quarterback.
0: And even if it's just this year, we're talking about a guy who's going in QB three range for best ball. And it's certainly a lot easier to like Jared Goff right now, after what they've done um, through free agency and the draft so far, uh, you know, as a QB three with week to week upside.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, the spot isn't great. For jameson williams to me um and even you know for 2022 the first thing is the acl you know he had he has he had acl surgery on january 13th so that's gonna you know put him up against it to be ready for week one so we'll have to see about that um but you know he, he has target competition in detroit you know his deep ball ability i don't think is a great fit jared goff um so he, he he's he's a bit of a slider for me in the post-draft rankings you know he's still going to be a top five for me but he might end up you know being fourth or fifth where you know i had him as my wide receiver too pre-draft.
0: And he's probably somebody who gains a little bit of value because he's probably going to generally slide down boards because nobody's going to be excited about a yeah. Detroit landing spot. But, I mean, he could be the number one wide receiver as soon as next year there. They could have a new quarterback as soon as next year there. So that would be one where I wouldn't – if you love Jamison Williams, I wouldn't overrate the negativity about the landing spot for him. I For 2022, I was basically out on him anyway because of that ACL. And, you know, you're just – it's already a tough bet, a rookie wide receiver coming into the league. So when you add an ACL recovery on top of that, it's I would rather be way underweight on that type of player. I think it's even easier to be so now that he has landed in Detroit. You know, not only the limitations of Jared Goff, but Amon Ross St. Brown, TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift, DJ Chark. There are only so many targets available for any player in that role.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, I, long term, I do expect Jamison Williams to you know be the number one wide receiver in Detroit. You know, I think he's the most talented guy there. I think Detroit obviously loves him. You know, trading up twenty spots to get him, and and you know, Chark, Chark signed a one year deal, so yeah, it it could easily be one and done for Chark. Um, you know, they're kind of similar players, Williams and Chark. You know, downfield guys. Um, so I, I actually might expect at this point it just to be you know one year for Chark in Detroit. And the similarity of those two guys, I think helps TJ Hawkinson by clearing out space
0: in the middle of the field where Jared Goff is best at throwing passes. So TJ Hawkinson has been a guy that's, that's slid near the bottom of tight end one range. I think he's, I wouldn't say he's exciting, but he, if you wait on tight end, he is attractive in that range. Yep. I agree. Washington slid down in the draft. They made the trade down with the saints picked Jahan Dotson. At 16th, they gave up, no, they picked up a third round and a fourth round pick to move down five spots. So clearly, Jared, by picking Dotson at 16th, they like him in general. I wonder if the trade down is also an indication that they don't see a huge difference between Dotson and Chris Olave and Jameson Williams,
1: which I think is wrong, but I mean, you know, I I could be wrong there. And, you know, Washington took. Dotson ahead of Traylon Burke you know, t- t- uh, to me J- Jahan Dotson at 16 just doesn't I, I don't you know I-, I think I think Washington kind of got caught up in the wide receiver run and just sort of you know took Dotson as you know maybe the last guy they had that they liked um but yeah you know, D- Dotson like Olave I think he's you know not a lead receiver you know, he's a he's a nice player I think I think he's very similar to Olave and he's NFL ready so I think you know that's going to help him for this season it just you know he's he's 5'11 178 pounds Um, he did play quite a bit on the outside at at Penn state, but I think he's, you know, probably going to be mostly a slot guy in the NFL because of that size. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what that means with Curtis Samuel in Washington. I don't know if they do, you know, plan on using Curtis Samuel on the outside and Dotson in the slot or mixing and matching. We'll, we'll see how that works, but Dotson should at least be, you know, the third wide receiver this season. And, you know, he might even out target uh, Curtis Samuel this year.
0: Yeah, we're going to have to see about that because Curtis Samuel has spent most of his career as a slot guy, but back in Carolina with this coaching staff, including the offensive coordinator, I mean, there was the one year where they really tried to use him as a downfield receiver. It didn't work out, but it was with Kyle Allen as the quarterback. So that's not usually going to work out. Carson Wentz has at least much more potential in that range. So, You know, I'll be watching to see if they are set in roles or if they view these guys as interchangeable and they want to move them around. Kind of similar to what the Chiefs do with Mm -hmm. their wide receivers, at least back when they had wide receivers. So I, I it's a it's a bit of a head scratching move to me as well, because Dotson hasn't seemed to be regarded among these guys A couple years ago, they took Terry McLaurin in round three, and it seemed like a throwaway kind of player, and he turned into an insta star in a bad offense. So Dotson is at least fun to watch. There are things to like about him. I know that from a a fantasy and analytics standpoint, we don't like that he played all four years in college. He's a little bit old for a prospect, and he didn't have a particularly early breakout age, right?
1: Uh, yeah, I think he might've been a sophomore bracket. I can't remember exactly. Um, uh, you know, Dawson's he's going to be no higher than wide receiver six for me post draft. And there are, there are still, I think guys that could go tonight that, you know, could, could pass him in the rankings. Yeah.
0: I certainly don't think that he's going ahead of Traylon Burks in our rookie rankings just because he went ahead of him in the rookie draft, but you know, it will see how this goes. I I'm interested in, he at least lands in a spot with some opportunity. It's an intriguing offense overall for this season, and especially because Carson Wentz is late, Dotson's going to be late, Curtis Samuel has been late, so you don't have to invest to take chances on at least guys who have upside talent here. Yeah, for sure. The so let's hit the last receiver before we hit the quarterback, and Traylon Burks, of course, was became the next AJ Brown in Tennessee. Now I don't say that because I'm comparing Traylon Burks to AJ Brown, but because Tennessee was like here. We will trade you AJ Brown for this pick, and then we're going to spend this pick on Traylon Burks. So, effectively, they're making him be the next AJ Brown. And I don't know if you saw the video of Mike Vrabel. He didn't look particularly happy
1: about it. Yeah, which is like, there's no way he just found out about it at that point, right? Like, this had to be in the works. I don't, I don't know what to make of that. He's obviously not happy. I mean, he just right. just lost AJ Brown. Uh, and, and, you know, plenty of people did compare Burks to AJ Brown pre draft. I didn't see that. I mean, I, I I, think the Debo Samuel, the Visca Chenault comparisons to me are, are better for Traylon Burks being a um, you know 18th overall pick got draft capital plenty of target opportunity in Tennessee they uh, the Titans did add Robert Woods but, you know he's getting up there in years and he's coming off the ACL um, so it's, it's it's a fine landing spot for Burks and it doesn't excite me but um, I, don't, I don't think it, you know hurts his fantasy value I mean I think it's an excellent landing spot for him for the reasons that you just said AJ Brown
0: was obviously an intriguing player there I It stinks for Burks that he's going to be compared to AJ Brown going forward just by virtue of how it went down. Um, And obviously we can't expect him to be anything close to AJ Brown right away, but the target opportunity is there immediately. The biggest competition is Robert Woods, who's coming off the ACL from last year. So we have to expect at least some sluggishness from him. And nobody's excited about the Tennessee pass offense. So we're probably not going to get a Burks boost from where he was, if anything, People had already come down on him from early draft season. He opened as the first rookie wideout going in best ball drafts. He already fell back from that to right in the mix with the rest of the guys. I wouldn't be surprised if he slides even a little bit further um, Mm -hmm. just because of a general malaise when you look at Tennessee, but you know, there are opportunities there. I don't know that any other landing spot would have been better for him for immediate opportunity. Ryan Tannehill is good enough. So I think it's a good landing spot. I think he is an upside player. Again, I don't think that it changes his dynasty outlook in terms of moving him significantly up or down the rookie rankings for me. Um, But it probably makes me look a little bit more at him for 2022.
1: Yeah. Again, just kind of like off the cuff for me. Like to me, it's like Drake London is one um, among the guys that have been picked so far. And then Dotson is six. And then those other four guys um, to me are all very similar. I'm not exactly sure how to sort them out at this point i mean with burks you know the short-term concern is the titans are so run heavy you know derrick henry's not going to be there forever and when henry's gone like they're not finding another derrick henry and they're very likely going to pass the ball more so longer term we'll see about the quarterback situation i mean tannehill's you know into his close to his mid 30s now he's a guy that you could see get cut uh next offseason so you know that's another you know issue for burks but um yeah again i I don't think it's a a spot that you know hurts his He's you know, no lower than, than wide receiver five for me in dynasty
0: for all of the quarterback talk leading up to the draft. We had one quarterback go in the first round and it was Kenny Mittens to the Steelers at the 20th pick overall. I mean, I, I guess we should get a competition. I think between him and Mitchell Trubisky this year, we obviously all expected and then got Trubisky signing with Pittsburgh. It's a two-year deal, 14.3 million, but There's only 5.25 million guaranteed on the deal. It's done in a way that they could cut him next year if they wanted to. And it would only count, I believe, like two and a half to three million against the cap. So it's not a contract that necessarily locks Trubisky in as a starter for even this season. So I think we'll get a competition Uh, overall, though, for fantasy. I just don't see the upside to pick it. I'm not at all excited about him in the short or the long
1: term. No, me, me either. Um, I, I think I, I think he could be their week one starter. And if I had to bet right now, I would bet on Pickett starting more games than Trubisky this season. I mean, I, I think one of the things going for him is that you know he was considered pretty NFL ready. You know, five year college college player. You know, he has the experience. So I, I think I think you are going to see plenty of Pickett this season. Um, I, you know, has has some nice. It, I think it's a. I think the landing spot helps his fantasy. I'm, I'm not excited about him, but I do think he gets a boost. Um, you know, with Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Najee Harris, Pat Fryer, nice group of, of uh, weapons there. And, you know, he kind of had some rushing produ- production for us. So I think he gets a slight boost. Definitely not excited about him. Uh, man, we'll, we'll see where Malik Willis goes. And, like, Malik Willis in, like, these dynasty super flex rookie drafts, like, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes because, like, you know, the track record of quarterbacks that, you know, don't get picked in the first round is not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do still know, you know, Willis has that upside. So we'll, we'll see where, he, you know, how highly he goes tonight and then where he lands.
0: Yeah, I think him getting out of round one means that for a dynasty superflex format, you should be treating quarterback the way that the NFL is right now. It, you know, if it comes to a point where it makes sense, take him, but do not force it at the top of the round because we still have Brees Hall yet to go somewhere. Kenneth yeah. Walker yet to go somewhere. Those guys are probably going to be at least pretty good. Quarterbacks, we have absolutely no idea. And we just talked about all the wide receivers that have gone already, plus some good ones in round two. So um, I'm not going to force a quarterback just because it's super flex. Frankly, even if I need a quarterback, I would rather try to do what QB needy NFL teams already have done this off season and trade for a cheap veteran. And it's going to be cheaper for a dynasty league than it is for an actual NFL franchise. But, you know, go get... Ryan Tannehill, who's obviously going to start for at least this year. Get Jimmy Garoppolo before he lands with a team. Get Baker Mayfield and see what happens with him. Gino Smith might be on waivers in some leagues. He could compete for that starting job. We talked with Greg De Palma about it on our show earlier this week. I mean, I would look for stopgap solutions rather than overvaluing this rookie class of quarterbacks with the which the NFL just confirmed to us is not very good.
1: Yeah, either that or, or trade your you know 2022 first rounder for a 2023 first rounder you know plus something else because you know the 2023 quarter quarterback class does look strong.
0: Mm-hmm. Well that's gonna do it for this round one recap edition of the podcast. Head over to draftsharks.com. Now you can get more reactions to the first round picks, including all the defensive guys. Check the shark bite section for instant analysis. We'll of course keep that rolling through round two and round three tonight. Jared is on the instant projections changes. So he'll be tweeting those out. You can also find our constantly updated rankings on DraftSharks.com as well as our pre-draft rookie rankings. You can take a look at those now, see how they might change um, after all these guys have landing spots through tonight and then into Saturday as well. For Jared Smola and the entire Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for something